Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name's Tim. I'm Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja, the world's most awesome digital marketing agency. This show is all about helping you to generate more leads and sales through your website. And in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Nick James. Now, Nick has come onto the show to talk about how him and his business sell so many tickets to events through digital marketing, particularly Facebook and email. Now, if you've ever tried running an event, you'll know that getting people to a physical space is no joke. That is some hard work. And Nick and his team have built an amazing process for getting people to events through digital marketing. So even if you don't sell tickets to events, you're going to find this really interesting because he's got some very clever ways of improving conversion rate, building an email list, not just sending people straight to ticket purchase pages. He wants to kind of build an email list first and then sell them uh, the tickets after that. Ninjas, remember that you can get on the email list for Nick's next event and for his future events if you go to exposure.ninja forward slash ee. Now, if you want to go to the next Expert Empires event, going to exposure.ninja forward slash ee will get you a discount. And if you don't, it'll get you on his email list anyway, so you can see what's going on with the marketing funnel, see what sort of ads you start seeing on Facebook and all that type of stuff. Well worth studying Nick. He is very good at doing this. So anyway, without further ado, enjoy the show with Nick James from Seriously Fun Business. Nick, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, mate. Really, uh, really pleased and excited to be here. As you know, in this podcast, we go behind the scenes of a particular marketing channel, strategy or campaign that you've used to grow your business. We'll find out what you did, how well it worked and what you've learned. Ready to lift the curtain? Yep, let's do it, man. Superb. So for people that don't know you, who are you? What is super fun, seriously fun business and how do you guys make money? Yeah, good question. So, um, Nick James, been in the events space for a very long time. Um, so got into personal development, attending events when I was a kid, 12 years of age, Tony Robbins seminars all over the world with my mum, uh, who was a trainer for Tony's organization. Got into working in the event space in my early 20s, started running my own events in my kind of mid-20s, and for the last 10, 11 years, been doing small workshops, teaching Originally, it was copywriting. That was my specialist subject, was how to write emails, sales letters, marketing materials. And then it kind of broadened out. And uh, today we run larger, well, we run small mastermind groups and, as you know, Tim, and uh, larger conferences teaching um, experts, coaches, consultants, speakers, trainers, authors, and the like about sales and marketing strategies. So I think it's important to give people a, a bit of a sense of scale. These are not, your big events are, yeah. are some of them are really freaking big, aren't they? Yeah, but biggest one we've done, well, I always like to give con- context as well. So we started off in 2009 with our first event, it had eight people in the room. Um, and uh, in, in June of this year, we did our biggest event yet, which was just over 1400 tickets sold. Um, and as you know, these are not free events, they're all paid tickets, um, which is what I think probably differentiates us and how our business model is probably very different to uh, a lot of the people in the kind of sales and marketing mm. seminar and education space. And um, your next event is an Expert Empires event. So 
who yeah. is that for? What happens at the event and, and when is it? Yeah, good. So, uh, well, like I said, the, the events are for experts. That's our market, our kind of little niche, if you like. So an expert would be a coach, consultant, a speaker, a trainer, an author, um, maybe an agency. Uh, those kind of people are, you know, they're building their business based upon their expertise mm. or the information that they've got that can help people. Um, so, uh, yeah, the next one, uh, we do Expert Empires. Uh, well, we, this is our third one this year. Um, we're looking to do even more in the years to come. Um, so it's event that's specifically for those people. And as you know, Tim, our kind of like how we set ourselves apart, other than the fact that it's a paid event, um, is that we, we like to try and bring in some of the world's most renowned, well-known speakers that maybe you wouldn't see in the UK normally. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we were the first to bring Grant Cardone to the UK um, in 2018. Um, we had uh, Lewis Howes earlier this year, David Goggins. We've got Tom Bilyeu, um, who's the founder of Quest Nutrition. Um, he's speaking at the next one in November. Uh, and again, that's the first time that he's been to the UK and spoken on stage. So that's kind of like how we differentiate our events I suppose we're going to go into our marketing strategies, specifically our digital marketing strategies, a bit later uh, in this in this interview. But um, yeah, one of the key things I suppose that's important is that we have a concept that's different and mm. that's um, not just the same as every other events business out there. And I have to vouch for the quality of not only your events but the whole organisation. So for those who don't know, I'm actually a private client of Nick. He works with Exposure Ninja and. Uh, Costs a fair amount of money to do that, Nick. But luckily, well, luckily for you and us, um, we made about four and a half times our return on investment in around about a month and a half. So I can definitely vouch for Nick. Give him all the money that you can as quickly as possible. Uh, on <laughs> right, very nice of you to say. <laughs> um, so listeners who have tried running events, whether they're coaches or consultants or even agencies and other marketers, will have known like our own experience as well is that getting people to events is no joke right even if you've got beasts like you put on um for for the expert empires thing getting people to you know leave the comfort of their house book in hotels book in travel and actually get them in a room is like renowned for being one of the hardest things in the world to do so if you can if you can sell events you can sell anything in my books so I'd really love to dig into the marketing machine that's kind of happening on the back end to make this because it's phenomenal and, and I know there are a lot of moving parts. So maybe if we could just start with a bit of an overview. So what are the different digital marketing channels that, that you've got at your um, disposal over at uh, SFB headquarters to sell so many tickets each year? Yeah, I think um, what's, what's interesting um, actually is that I'm not, when it comes to digital marketing, like we are not doing everything under the sun. Like my, one thing that I say a lot, uh, Tim, you've heard me say it as well, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. And so um, whilst I think focusing on just one is risky because you've only got one lead generation source and that dies, you're in trouble. I do think that trying to go too broad mm -hmm. Um, and be too, uh, like do too many different things all at once, you're probably going to end up getting um, poor results in all of those areas. So we, we pretty much focus in three main areas when it comes to digital marketing. Um, 
the the first one, um, which I suppose you know is best practice for any company using digital, is you know we've spent the last ten years building our database. Mm. So we have our own house list of uh, or lists, I should say. Um, I think it's somewhere around forty five thousand people now that have um, registered for um, interested in events, attended webinars taking lead magnets, free downloads, you name it, over the last 10 years. Now, it's 10 years, so not all 45,000 of those are active, engaged. Of course, that number's far, far lower. But, you know, I think in order to um, fill the room, a good percentage, um, you actually just asked me this, Tim, before we started, but um, like about 40% of the tickets we sell um, to our events uh, are normally from our house list, our existing audience. Um, which is why, you know, I'm probably preaching to the choir here. That's why it's so important to be constantly building that asset called your database. Um, I mean, you know, I often share this as well. The business that you're um, that you're aware of today, a seriously fun business, I only started in 2015. I had a previous company, which was actually an events slash marketing agency, really, uh, with a partner. Um, which I exited in summer of 2015 and started from scratch. So how did I go from scratch to multi-seven-figure business in like three years? Well, simple. I had that asset, that database. That was I didn't have anything else, but I had that asset, so it made it easier. So I think I think the building, the nurturing of your database, um, your house list, as you might call it, is is crucial. That's kind of number one. Um, number two. For our audience in particular is Facebook. So, you know, we, we spend a fair old chunk of money on advertising on Facebook for each event that we run. Um, so, you know, we, we uh, I shared this with you before as well, Tim. We went from um, 20, 25 pound a lead was typical for us. Uh, and on the last couple of events, we've managed to trim that down. So we were 20, 25 pound a lead probably at the start of this year and 10 months in, we're, we're down at like nine. I think the current cost per lead on average for the campaign that we've been running over the last month or so is about £9.61 from memory. So it's less than half. Um, happy to talk about a little bit of uh, how I say we've done it, I've done it. I haven't actually done any of it. The the lad who runs our ads called Mac has done it all. So I can't take credit, but I'm happy to share at a high level some of what we've done. Um, and then the third one is social. So, you know, using... Um, multiple platforms, Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn being our primary three. Um, you know, we've got in Facebook, for example, as most people have, we've got our page, we've got our group, we've got even, you know, my business has been built on my personal brand really. So we still we still use my personal profile to an extent. Um, you know, we've got um, Instagram, which we've been investing a lot of time and energy in recently. Uh, LinkedIn, again, we've been investing a lot of time and energy in recently. Um, I think those two, LinkedIn and Instagram, are probably the two that have the most potential for growth, in my personal opinion, especially if you're like me and your audience is small business, entrepreneurs, experts, then I think that's those, those two platforms are probably the emerging ones when it comes to building your audience and generating leads from it. Um, I say for free, it's never really free, is it? Because it's a huge investment of time. Whereas running Facebook ads is nowhere near the investment of time, but it costs a lot of money. So it's going to cost you one or the other. You've just got to decide which one's more valuable to you. So those are our three main um, 
lead generation sources when it comes to digital. So I think listeners will probably be quite reassured by the fact that this isn't like whilst each of those is a really well defined and well developed channel, you're not you don't have a team of like 40 in the marketing department. You're not doing everything under the sun. You found the things that work got, well for you. I've got three. Yeah, I've got three. Um, bear in mind, we're still running a relatively small team, probably um, uh, in contrast to the size of business we are. So, you know, we have, um, I think at last count, 16, 17 mm. in our team, um, three in marketing, um, three in sales. Uh, I think we're four in kind of customer experience. And then we've got, uh, you know, a few that kind of float trainers, coaches that kind of do a bit of everything, if you like. Um, but yeah, I mean, three in marketing, we've got somebody that heads up marketing. Um, and then we've got one person that just manages social and one person that just manages paid ads. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's not like this enormous machine where we've got 20 people in the marketing department or 40 people in the marketing department. Mm. You found what works and then you've gone hard at those, uh, those channels. So just to get a bit of uh again a big picture on how you would go about promoting an event so what is the what is the funnel like when do things start so let's say so next um maybe we can use the next expert empires as an example so that's in late november is it yeah correct so what's been the timeline like when did ticket sales start and early birds and, yeah. and that like how far ahead are you thinking yeah, cool. Good question. So um, I suppose before we can get into any of that, the number one thing when running events, um, and it sounds blooming obvious, but this is where most people come unstuck, is having a marketable concept in the first place. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just running a, a marketing workshop is not going to cut it these days because they're 10 a penny, they're everywhere. So, you know, you've got to find some way of differentiating your event so that it stands out so that when you then use your house list when you then use your um uh facebook ads when you then use social there's an appetite for the thing mm. so the way that i do that to answer your question of how far in advance am i looking so right now i'm just about to sign the contract with the speaker for march so i'm six months out is that six months yeah roughly six yeah. months out um but like I'm, I'm locking in the marketing concept, which in my case is the speaker, but it could be anything this far out. So I can start laying the foundations and do all the groundwork. So that's the first thing is what is it that makes it different? Um, you know, so in our case, it's the speakers for expert empires and the fact that we niche it for experts. Um, but you know, your event could be, um, here's a great example. We ran a, a webinar, which is an event of course, um, last night. Um, specifically around Instagram and how to grow your Instagram following and monetize, generate leads for Instagram for free. Um, that was um, probably one of the best attended webinars we've run in quite some time. And the reason was because it was about a subject that A, is quite hot and sexy and people are interested in at the moment. Um, and uh, B, it's not like you see training on how to grow your Instagram following every day of the week. Mm. So it was, it's hot and sexy and it's not common. Um, so rather than, again, you know, let's say for example, someone's going, I want to do a marketing event or a marketing workshop. I'm like, well, you could narrow it down and say, I'm actually going to do social media. And you could narrow it even further and say, I'm going to do 
LinkedIn. Mm. So the more, in my experience, the more niched you go, um, the more success you're going to have in terms of attracting people in. Now, our, our events aren't niched as much by topic, but they are niche. They're specialized or they're unique in that the uh, Expert Empires has been built now as a bit of a brand. So we have people that come back time and time again anyway. And, um, you know, my job is to make sure that we've got world-class, world-renowned speakers every time. Like, if we don't have that, then it's going to be much more challenging to sell tickets in full rooms. So mm. that's the first thing. And I'm looking at that, you know, six months out. Um, then I'm probably working on a three to four month lead time. So the first marketing that happens, which is probably maximum of four months, minimum of three months from the date itself, um, is the pre-launch phase. So effectively, we're not selling tickets straight out of the gate. We're saying, right, um, we've got this event coming up in this one. We've got Tom Billiou, um, founder of Quest Nutrition. We've got Carrie Green, um, who's the founder of the Female Entrepreneur Association. And it's very rare um, to see Carrie on stage at an event live. Um, you know, you've never seen Tom on stage in the UK before. So that's the what makes it a bit different and unique. Tickets aren't on sale yet, but get on the priority list here. So all of our marketing for the first month is promoting get on the priority list. So we run our Facebook ads to it. We're posting on social about it. We're mailing our house list via email, via SMS. Um, we're doing everything to try and get people to say, yeah, I'm interested in attending this event. Um, so we spend like four weeks just doing that and that alone. We also, um, I think, in the same way that, you know, if you're trying to get someone to opt in for a lead magnet, you want to incentivize them by giving them something um, really special. So in our case, that is get on the priority list for this event. Um, when you get on the priority list, it means that, A, you're going to get first chance to buy your ticket. And when they go on sale, they're going to be discounted heavily. So £300 off is how we do it. And the first 200 tickets that get sold are also going to get a free upgrade. And we have multiple ticket levels from general, VIP, elite, access all areas. They range from general, which is just a seat in the room. Access all areas is like front row reserved, lunch with the speakers included, dinner included, all that kind of nice stuff. So effectively, there's a reason for them to get on the priority list. Um, a, because they'll get a discount. B, because they'll get a better ticket if they by soon, by early. Um, so we spend like a whole month doing that to get as many people on the priority list as we can. Because we know that if they're on that priority list, they're more likely to convert than if they stumble across the event at a later day. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I suppose um, the other thing is that, so getting the priority list filled up is key for that reason, but also I'm now building my list for the future as well. So we have a bunch of people that don't come because whatever reason, they can't make it. You, you mentioned a lot of the reasons why people don't come to events, they can't make the dates or whatever it is. Um, you know, it's too far to travel, any of those objections. Um, but now they're on my list. Mm. So they might attend a webinar in the future and purchase an Instagram training. Or they might come to a discovery day I'm running from my mastermind program and invest in one of those in the future. So like, just because they're not buying a ticket now doesn't mean they're dead. It, mm. They're on the list and now we can nurture them. Um, and I think what a lot of events companies do is they're just fo so focused on selling the ticket short term, they're not thinking about the long-term benefit of building the list. So the priority list does two things. First of all, like it actually makes me sell more tickets 
because it means that I can, I've got multiple ways to sell by email and text and phone calls and all sorts of stuff. And it means I've got the leads for future even if they didn't convert. So the first piece is that priority list. We release the tickets on a specific time, uh, on a specific day. When we do that, we email, we text, we say, look, first 200 only get a free upgrade, go get it now. We get a rush of tickets right at the start and then the hard work begins. So then it's um, normally a few a few days after the launch, um, we then remove the discount. So we basically say, look, the 300 pound discount expires. So we get another little lift in sales then. Um, and really from then on, it, the really hard work starts. Then it's, you know, just chipping away with content-led campaigns, emails. Um, you know, we, we have a telesales team as well, which I know isn't digital, but we, we acquire the leads digitally. Um, and the, um, the split on digital sales, as in all, all of the leads are generated digitally. We don't do anything offline, really. Probably should, if I'm being critical of us. Um, you know, we don't direct mail our house list anywhere near as often as we should. Um, and there's some other stuff that we could be doing, we're not. But you know, most all the lead gens done online, um, and I'd say about 60% of the conversions are done online as well, but the other 40% are done over the phone. So, you know, an event with a thousand people, um, it would have only been 600 if we didn't have that offline conversion. Um, now, I know clearly, you know, Tim, you're in digital marketing, of course, and, you know, um, that's how we generate all of our leads. I do think people miss a trick, though, by not bringing the offline element into play when it comes to the conversion. Yeah, yeah, it's something that we've noticed a lot. And I know talking to Matt, your uh, your business partner, who's very into sales, he likes to talk about abandoned carts and the, you know, the opportunities to give people a call if they've abandoned cart and stuff like that. So undoubtedly, there is a there is a huge offline element that could be added to most digital campaigns. Um, if you, if you look at most businesses across the board, like forget the events industry for a minute, look at a lot of businesses, um, and I'd say that their weakness from a sales and marketing perspective is that they're one extreme or the other. So yeah. they're either obsessed on digital and missing loads of opportunity by not using offline, or they're all offline and they're not taking part or not taking advantage of the, of the huge opportunity that exists for them with digital. Um, and the truth is that a balance of the two is probably the sweet spot, um, which is what we try our best to strike. I'm not saying we get it perfect every time, but, you know, we use both. I think we've got telesales. We do a lot of events. That's the face-to-face. -face, that's the, um, I guess, the offline element. And we use, you know, online, as I've said, the three main strategies we use. Um, that, that's where we do all the lead generation. And And... Importantly, you're using digital to kind of cast a fairly wide net and get people in your world. And then you're using more traditional telesales to only talk to the ones. It's not like you've got a list of 50,000 people that you're trying to nail through. You're kind of filtering them yeah. and through targeting and, and emails and lead gen, you're, you're kind of picking out the ones yeah. that are most relevant, aren't you? So you're saving your time. Yeah, I mean, think about it this way. We've got 45,000 people on the databases. Now, they don't all have phone numbers, but as in, we don't have phone numbers for all of them, I should say. Um, I don't know what that stat is. I haven't got it to hand, but let's say it's 15, 20,000, probably about right. But we're not we're not making 15 or 20,000 phone calls. We're, we're segmenting by, of course, anybody that comes in and says, yes, I'm interested in this event. So for Expert Empires in November, we had 
2,600-ish that were like, yeah, I'm interested in coming. We're phoning them because they've said they're interested in coming. Mm. Um, we're not phoning everyone else. Now, we're, we're doing, you know, we are still doing a bit of email marketing and other stuff to the rest. We're doing some retargeting with Facebook. So we are doing some digital to everybody else as well, but we're not putting manpower and man hours into cold cold calling basically yeah. um one other question before we move on to how you're using each of these channels so the this early bird list um i think it's 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 a really bright move for a lot of reasons but also because when you're running a facebook ad like so i think if people were going to start their own event and they wanted to sell tickets they might be tempted to just run try and run ads and do email marketing just to a checkout page to buy tickets and then get a really low conversion rate get really disheartened and then they don't really have too much data to play with they kind of torch their list by repeatedly hammering them with this early bird list it kind of gives you a bit of a holding pen for people that are warm what what happens after the early bird period do you still have a list that's kind of running in front of the ticket pages yeah, so even like even now, when tickets are now on sale, the priority list is no longer like people don't join that now. But the ads we are running, um, well, there's two things. If they're already on the priority list, everything directs them straight to a page where they can buy a ticket because yeah. clearly we don't need to get them opted in again. But if we're still the cold advertising we're still doing still sends them through a hey to get the full details of the event, put your name, email, phone number in which isn't as effective as the priority list was, admittedly, but I'd still rather know who's interested in coming mm. um, because like, then we can follow up with them. And like you say, the conversion rate, look, you know, 10 years ago, you could run paid ads straight to a checkout page and make money and you know, get a return on your investment. But like, I'm not saying it's impossible, but like, it's, it's very difficult. I, I don't, we haven't managed to make that work ever. Um, so, you know, getting people on a list of some sort and then nurturing and converting from there, that's, that's how you can make it pay. Um, and like I said, you're building the asset for the future. So I, I just think that's, that is the way forward. Um, and you know, you can get a little bit, um, clever with it if you really want to. So for example, you know, if we send people to the opt-in page and they don't opt in, we can retarget them and just send them, you know, if they, if they do that we can assume they're probably not going to do it. So then we can just retarget them and say, hey, go straight here and get all the details, no opt-in required. So, you know, if your argument would be, well, if we send them through the opt-in page, then if they don't want to put the details in, you've lost them. I go, well, okay, in that case, retarget them and send them through to the sales page anyway. Mm. Then you haven't lost them. You've just given yourself two bites of the cherry. Buy them one was, get the lead and then try and sell it. And if they don't want to give you the details, then you can try and sell it direct. The fact is, I mean, look, if they're not going to opt in to get the info, they're probably not going to buy a ticket anyway. But that's how I'd overcome any concerns somebody's got about, you know, not giving all the info without asking for an opt-in first. I'd, yeah. all, I'd Look, I just go, I'd always, always, always market the capture step, as I call it, or the opt-in first. Cool. So let's talk about what happens if, what what your funnel would be so firstly how, how do you target people because you could i mean you could target like the association of coaches or something like that but it seems fairly broad like how how do you start with your facebook targeting who, who do you know 
um, how do you know who to go after? Yeah, well, let, let's um, let me let me share a few examples of a few of the events we've done. Because, like mm. I said, we used to be at twenty twenty five pound a lead, and now we're at like less than a tenner. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll kind of tell you how that's happened. So, um, well, first of all, when I started doing this, um, I used to run the ads myself, um, and so I got a lot of other things to do. So I can't just be head down on an ad campaign all the time. So yeah, we probably were overpaying because I didn't have the time. So I was a bit lazy with my targeting. So literally let's talk about facebook ads for a second so you know we had grant cardone headlining our event first time in the uk so i did what everyone else would do logic i go right grant cardone fans based in the uk target them with adverts and you know it worked we did okay out of it but again you know leads were probably 20 25 quid um you know we converted enough to make it make, make it pay it's fine um but that's kind of like lazy targeting then Interestingly, we had, um, we've done a few events. Uh, well, we did uh, three, no, two last year, this our third this year of this size. Um, and it was only really this year that we had somebody in house full time running the paid adverts. Um, and what happened was we had uh, David Goggins, who, um, Tim, I guess you know who David Goggins is. Some of the listeners might or might not. Um, so uh, wrote a great book called Can't Hurt Me. It's, it's mindset stuff, really, mm. which, you know, for my crowd, also know your audience. For my crowd, like, they're all into that. So mm. I've got a speaker that they're going to resonate with. Um, but what was interesting was um, we couldn't do the strategy we'd done before, which was we're just going to target his followers on Facebook because he didn't have a large enough audience on Facebook in order for us to do that. So we had to get a bit more clever which is how we kind of by accident discovered strategies that can reduce our cost per lead. So instead of going for obvious targeting, we went, well, we're now going to have to dig in a bit. So for example, uh, Mac, who runs our ads, he went, well, let's, we can't target Goggins directly. So let's look at how we might be able to target him indirectly. So, you know, where is he showing up? And what we found, and, you know, Mac, Mac's a, um, you know, real, he's really good at doing the techie detailed research stuff. Um, he found that like, uh, Goggins had been featured a lot on sites like Mind Valley, um, and he'd been interviewed, I think, on Joe Rogan. And less people are targeting Mind Valley with ads than they are Grant Picardo, as an mm. example. It's like, you know, a lot of people in the personal development space that are lazy with their ads, they'll go, oh, we'll just target Tony Robbins fans because he's the best known in the industry, but everyone else is doing it. And of course, if everyone else is doing it, the ads are more expensive and less mm. effective. So, um, so by going a level below the obvious, we managed to get um, higher volumes of leads for less money, effectively. Um, and so we've just done that again for this event with Tom Billiou, uh and Carrie Green. So, you know, we've not, we, we have done some targeting to their audiences, but we've gone levels below. And on this occasion, we've gone levels below, levels below. So it's like, you know, it, if someone's just, They've liked Tom Billu's page on Facebook. They're probably not even going to see the ad, which you might think is us missing out. But I go, yeah, but if they watch something that's less popular, then there's probably a hundred places that Tom might show up. Mm. So some of them are less popular than others, but we're actually going for the less popular ones. And if you add them all up, the audience is just as big as it would be if we targeted Tom's fans, but it's less competition for the ads. Mm. So um, yeah, by doing that kind of like more in-depth tactical research, and I can't take credit for it because it's not me that does it, um, but by doing that 
more in-depth research on finding, I suppose it's finding the, um, the audiences that have interested people in them, but they're just not being advertised to death by everybody else. That's where we're getting... Like everyone I'm speaking to in the industry, the cost belief is going up and up and up. Yeah. And I'm going, well, that's interesting because mine's coming down and down and down. But the only reason is because I'm not, I'm not competing with you mm. on advertising. I'm, I'm, I'm competing with probably a handful of small operators that don't have the budget I do over here. Um, so I can win at that game all day long. Love it, love it. It's so savvy. It's like targeting long tail keywords in SEO. Exactly, yeah. Same same principle, but moving into Facebook in this case. And what sort of ad messages are you finding work best to get people on these uh, on these email lists? Yeah, I think, um, well, I suppose across the board, I think whether you're talking about advertising on email, whether it's paid ads on Facebook, whether it's social, anything like that, um, story, long-form story, like, you know, the... And by the way, I see a lot of this on my feed. I don't know about you. I see a lot of advert, buy a ticket for this event. Mm. And like, we, we just become like, you know, we've become blind to it almost because it's just like trying to sell stuff. So, you know, the, the most, um, I think the, the best converted ads that we have tend to be more about like the story of expert empires and why I created it in the first place or you know, why I think Tom Bilyeu is such a great speaker and the impact that he's had on my life, things like that. Right. Um, because it doesn't look like an ad. Um, and I suppose like my number one thing, especially when you're talking about paid advertising, the number one bit of advice I'd give you, if you take nothing from this, if you're running paid ads, if you took nothing else from this, it would be um, create an ad that does not look like an ad. Because if you, if you think about Facebook, Facebook was not, like, for, of course, from Facebook's point of view, like how they make money is advertising. But from the consumer's point of view, or the customer, or the user's point of view, they're not on there to be advertised to. They're on there to look at interesting content, videos, connect with their friends. So, like, you need to have your adverts look like a content piece mm. or like something that's shareable. So, you know, the, the ads that always perform best for us. Um, if I think about the last few campaigns, we had um, David Goggins. So if you know David, he, you know, his story, he was, you know, very overweight as a young man. And now he's like, you know, Mr. Universe kind of thing. And so what worked really well wasn't a photo of David Goggins speaking on stage, come and see David Goggins live in London at our event. What worked best was the before and after shots of mm. his transformation because it didn't look like an ad. Now it was an ad. Of course, and if you look closely, you see sponsor, but we're not we're not dealing with, with like it's the unconscious stopping people while they're scrolling. That's really the first thing you've got to overcome. So people are scrolling through and, and, and they know of Goggins and all of a sudden they see this before and after thing on their feed, they're gonna stop and look. And that's the first job, and then of course the copy around it needs to be interesting enough to get them to dive in. Um so that was really good. Uh, when we had Grant Cardone, like him doing a selfie in the gym was probably the best converting image. So it's, it's stuff that's not, I, I tested it against a photo of him on stage in front of thousands of people. Mm. And it, like the selfie in the gym killed it Wow! by comparison. Like we, we, we literally ran the photo of him on stage for like a couple of days and we were like, this is just tanking. And the, the copy was, the, by the way, we, we split tested it image for image. Copy was the same, targeting was the same. We were getting like 
three times the amount of leads off the selfie one. So my number one bit of advice, and I, I don't profess to be a, a Facebook advertising expert in the slightest, but number one bit of advice, make it not look like an ad would be my number one thing. Yeah. I mean, that that's a rule. That's such a, a, a good rule to live by, even, you know, back in the days of magazine ads. And it's the advertorial stuff that works better because people read magazines for articles, not ads. It's exactly the same, isn't it? Yeah. Make it look like the native content on the platform, not like something exactly. that's out of place. As soon as it's out of place, you can, you kind of lock onto it. Don't you? That's crap. Keep scrolling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, we, we've now, I, I really believe that, you know, if you look to any social platform, but, Facebook in particular, I genuinely believe now that like unconsciously we can see an ad. We don't even need to think, oh, that looks rubbish, scroll past. It, we're not even thinking. It's instant. Mm. It's a split second. It's not, not even a thought and not a conscious thought. It's an unconscious thought, an unconscious process. Um, and you've got, to, you've got to beat that hurdle, if you like. You've got to get beneath it. Um, and then, you know, then your advertising can actually work and get the message across. I think one of the problems is that a lot of Facebook advertisers actually don't spend the time doing organic stuff on Facebook. They only do ads. So everything they do yeah. comes across like an ad. Whereas if they're experienced at building an organic audience, they have those chops. They know what a post that gets engagement looks like. So they're kind of going into yeah. it with a bit of skill. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. And every every time I post anything, whether it's you know on Instagram or my personal Facebook or anything, you know the the story based long mm. form with an interesting image just it, every time um I, I literally i posted something on my personal facebook um earlier this week and it got the most engagement i've ever had on a single post ever um and again it's not paid it's like on my personal profile so there's only five thousand friends that can even see it um and it was literally a story about me and my dad and a birthday present that i bought him that was mm -hmm. it. Um, and, you know, it was like 200 and odd um, uh, reactions and God knows how many comments. It's like, I can't get that interaction when I'm paying for it. But because the story was interesting, it was personal, it got people's attention. So I think that's just the name of the game. Yeah, that's it. And like you said right at the start, you're known for copy and it was good copy. People writing in the comments that they were moved to tears and stuff like that's serious shit. <laughs> well, and, and by the way, I mean, look, I, I, do, I don't think for a second, people often say, to, you know, they'll ask me, you know, so what, what's the most um, valuable skill set you can learn or master, you know, when it comes to building a, a business like mine? And I, I always just say this too, like you could take away everything, um, like you could take away my database, you could take away everything, the customer base, everything I've got. Um, but the reason that, I could always make it back again is two skills. Um, one, writing copy, two, public speaking. That's it. Um, everything else, you know, is secondary to it. And really all of that is just communicating. It's being able to communicate yeah. emotion and move people. Like you said, some people move to tears just by a simple piece of copy. Um, it's just, you know, then again, you think about it, there's nothing complete, can particularly unique or new about it. You know, often we can read a, a great novel, and be moved to have lots of different emotions. So the, the skill of writing copy is just the skill of conveying um, emotion through the written word. Yeah. Um, and of course, also being able to do that verbally as a speaker or on video or however you do it. Yeah, that that is marketing really. Then there's the there's 
the science behind it as well, which is where targeting and you know uh, and and the testing and all that kind of stuff comes into it. But bottom line, the creative side is communicating a message through words, through visuals. Um, that's really where it's at. That, and that for me is the number one skill to be a successful marketer that you've got to master is the the ability to communicate that emotion through written word, through the spoken word, through video, etc. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I think there's a, it's a bit like when I was a professional musician, I was completely obsessed with technique and I was in a band. We spent ages trying to make it obsessed by technique. We thought that technique was how to do it. And what we should have been focusing on was writing songs. And I think the tendency with marketing can be that, and you know, we're guilty of just talking about SEO or talking about conversions and making it out like it's, it's like a scientific thing. Whereas at the core of all of it, the reason that you see these crappy pages that are converting like crazy is because they're saying something which is connected with someone else and that's motivated them to act. It's not like you can just put up any old, like so often copy is an afterthought, isn't it? You get something like ClickFunnels and you're like, well, okay, so the reason that this works is because the layout of the pages and the steps in the process. But actually the stuff you put on the page is like 90% of the game and the other stuff is just yeah. just the frosting, yeah. isn't it? And, and you know, like, I mean, you know, using your example of like, you know, uh, in the music industry, I go, well, clearly technique's important, like you can't have success without it, mm. but you gotta, so, and you gotta write great songs, you gotta have both parts of it. And I think what we're saying here is you've gotta have the art and the science of marketing. You've got yeah. to have the creative side and you've got to have the, the scientific side to really make it work. Um, both those things together, you can't really make it work with just one or the other. You need both. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to ask you um, about some successes and failures, Nick, before we, uh, before we wrap up with some quick fire. So any examples of promos that you've done, which you're like, right, here we go, boys. This is going to be an absolute home run. You pulled the trigger on it. Complete waste of time. Um, how long have you got? I got more of those. I got more of those than I got successes, probably. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, no, on a serious note, I mean, like, yeah, I, I mean, I could give you countless examples. You know, we, we've probably done in the early days probably more more than um, more than now because really all we do now is tried and tested. Like, it's very rare that I'll do anything. Um, it's very rare that I'll put a lot of time, energy attention or money into something that's a new punt i'll always test it first um so you know but in the early days of course you you know you you're testing a load of different things and some of it works and some of it doesn't so mm. i think um yeah i'm trying to think of an example in the early days well i guess one thing that a lot of people would say would be the picture of grant cardone on a stage they'd be like well that's surely going to be a home run because you're coming to yeah, see yeah, him on well, a stage that's him in his natural environment yeah, yeah, well, exactly. And, that, and this, by the way, this is how you learn and how you get better at all these things. It's it's testing. And so, like, the, I suppose the, the number one thing as well um, to say and to take away from this is, like, we've all got an opinion about what we think is going to work best. But my opinion counts for nothing. Your opinion counts for nothing. The only thing that matters is how the market responds. Mm. And that's why you've got to test everything and have close eyes on the numbers, the data, the stats so that you can work out, you know, like you said, I would never have known that the selfie image was going to convert better than the stage image. Um, but, you know, it did by a long way. And of course, now that's completely 
um, revolutionised our thinking around how we run advertising uh, advertisements on Facebook. Um, but yeah, I mean, like to give you an example, like we, I mean, I've done countless webinars where I've sold nothing, um, events. I suppose you know, especially in the early days when you need it, um, it's you know, it's even worse, yeah. I guess. Um, I, I did. Um, I, I remember probably one of my first campaigns. We did a Google Ads campaign. This is probably twelve years ago. Google Ads campaign. Um, spent, I don't know, a couple of grand on lead gen. Um, and then I was pushing them into a direct mail slash email follow-up. Um, and we made zero sales. And, and literally what I'd done is I'd modeled it from a friend of mine that was doing it in a different industry and killing it. So I was like, literally, I mean, I was saying to my, my um, she was my um, fiance at the time, she's now my wife. I was saying to her, I was like, look, this is it. Like, this is the golden ticket. Like, you know, we're going to spend two grand on ads and we're going to make like 10 back. And then next month we're going to spend like four grand on ads and we're going to make like 20 back. And, and I was like, and you know, um, a bit like this time next year, Rodders will be millionaires. Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and by the way, if there's anyone who's not in the UK, they will not, that will have gone straight over their head. Um, but you know, it was like the, this is our golden ticket. This is the dream. Yeah. Um, and I, I just went, I just had so much confidence it was going to work. We made zero sales. Um, and I went back to the drawing board. Now, what was interesting was, um, in the end, that campaign wasn't a total bust because we'd generated the leads and we mm. had the data. We'd got we'd got their email address, their physical address, their phone number. And actually, when I looked into it a few months down the line, they had actually converted and we had got a return on investment. But at the time, I was looking for instant. And I think that's a mistake a lot of people make as well. Mm. They're looking for instant return. And for me, if something can be break even quickly within 30 days i'm like that is amazing I, my expectations aren't as great as they were at the start i'm going hey if i get break even in 30 days that's great because i know that you know in six months that campaign or that investment of time or money is going to have you know paid paid off fivefold probably tenfold and be i think you've got to be patient hmm, absolutely all right flip side Anything that you've done, maybe someone else suggested, you're like, that's freaking pointless, but we're going to test it anyway. And it's smashing it out of the park. Um, I think, yeah, I think probably it's partly a regret as well, is that like I was probably a bit late to the party with Instagram in particular. Um, and I was a bit like, I poo-pooed it a little bit and went, look, Facebook's where it's at. This is where we've, you know, in terms of social, we've you know, probably 80% of what we've done um, over the last few years has been Facebook. So, um, you know, I, I definitely poo-pooed Instagram a bit. I went, it's for the kids, um, you know, and it's it's all, it's the fitness crowd. It's not really us. Um, and I, again, I wish I'd listened sooner mm. and got on it earlier because again, you know, you just can't get that time back. And, I, you know, if, if I'd been doing what I'm doing now, two years ago because it was easier to dominate then because it was less competition I, I think that was that was a bit of a missed opportunity from our point of view or from my point of view um and it, and it has worked and we are generating leads from it um you know the amount of time uh, we don't put any money into it as such you know we put some resource so some time and we have one person in the team that puts a portion of their time into doing it and of course i do it myself and put some time in what i'm seeing is when i do something organic on instagram um I'm getting a lot more engagement than what I'm getting on organic on Facebook, for example. Yeah. Um, 
if you looked at the two separate. Um, yeah. Now that's not now that's not necessarily the case, like for like. So you know, I posted that um, the story that I told you about with my dad on Facebook. It flew. I posted the same thing on Instagram. It didn't get as much engagement, but like on stories on Instagram, for example, like to be getting you know, uh, like hundreds and hundreds of views on these little snippets of video content that I'm putting out every day. Like I'm not getting hundreds and hundreds of views if I was doing that on my Facebook page. No chance. So it's, you know, it's, um, I suppose, I think, I just feel like I probably should have listened a bit sooner and I'm, I'm regretful that I didn't, but you can't live with regrets. You've got to go, look, I did what I thought was best at the time. All I'm doing now is what I think is what's best at the time and all I'll do in the future is what I think is what's best at the time. Absolutely. And it's all about priorities, isn't it? You taught me that. Um, of course. At least you didn't say yes to Snapchat and Meerkat, hey? Well, you know what? Like, but for every Snapchat or Meerkat or, or you know, going way back, MySpace for the oldens, um, you know, for every one of those, and, and actually in the short term, they can, like, you know, they can be useful, valuable, but they won't, nothing's going to last forever. Mm. I remember Dan Kennedy saying that. Um, like you might laugh at this. I remember him saying, and he went, Facebook. There will be a time when Facebook is nothing. It's dead. And everyone was laughing at him, going, no chance. I'm serious. Like, mm. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's coming anytime soon, but we're already seeing we're already seeing a transition. We're already seeing a shift towards other platforms that are emerging. Um, like, there is no such thing as something that's going to last forever, um, you know, especially in social, like, there will be waves and things will things will overtake so you know just because facebook's the big the big big dog now if you like when it comes to advertising in particular it doesn't mean it's going to be forever um so you've always got to be forward thinking and you've always got to be experimenting on new stuff um because yeah otherwise you get left behind i've got three uber quick rapid fire questions to finish nick if you could pick only one marketing channel what would it be Database. Email list. Fair play. Well, 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 hold on, well, hold on. I didn't say email list. Oh, you I said that. Right. Am, I, am I allowed to say? Because you know, I might be cheating. What are you going to do with the database, though? you got to choose a channel to communicate to them. All right. Um, uh, direct mail. It's not digital. Wow. The podcast listeners are shocked. Give me a shot. thousand email addresses. A thousand email addresses or a thousand direct mail addresses. I'm going to direct mail them every day of the week. But the thing is, it's never just one channel because the yeah. way to get the best result is multi-channel. So I'm going database. The reason I said database because I went quickly mad. I went, well, if I, go, if I go database, I can go email, text, phone call, direct mail. And I know that will give me the best result. Whereas, you know, single channel is never going to give you the result you're looking for. No. It's a terrible, terrible you know, question. We, we, pay, we pay on Facebook to advertise to our database mm. who we've already got the data for. Why would we do that? Because 80% of them don't open the email and because a lot of them don't answer the phone and because we've got bad addresses for some of them or whatever. So we advertise them on Facebook to re-engage. So like, you know, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's a terrible question. I understand why you asked <laughs> and like, you've got, you've got to go multi-channel. You just have to. Yeah. All right. Next, next super quick rapid fire. If you absolutely had to sell, a hundred thousand tickets to EE next year, but you had unlimited budget. What's the first thing that comes to mind that you'd do? Yeah, Facebook. Facebook, dump it all. Uh, well, uh, well, because I go, it's where we're getting the best ROI now. So I'd be 
stupid to go and try and sink all that you know unlimited budget into something that's untested yeah i guess you could like uh you could get donald trump on stage arguing against hillary clinton as well or something like that yeah yeah right if you're gonna sell that volume of tickets by the way it's 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 not where you spend the money on ads it's actually the concept that's going to get you there um you know you'd want to get hundred thousand people which is insane but still um you'd be wanting like seriously big mainstream attraction to get that kind of volume and advertising boxing match between grant cardone gary v ksi logan paul that'd do it there you go there you go. <laughs> All right, final question. If you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice on day one, which let's say is going to be 2015, what would it be? Um, think bigger. Back yourself more. I think in 2015, I, it's bizarre to think about it. It was only four years ago. Um, and, of course, day one, day one was 2009, really. But um, if it's all about 2015, like I probably, even though it's grown real fast since, if I'm being honest, the first 18 months, I was probably just dicking about a bit hmm. and not really being as aggressive as I could have. I mean, si- since probably January 2017, it's been full on, like, proper all-out assault. Um, there's been there's been no holding back. And consequently, you know, the, the growth that we've had in that period of time has been more than I could have ever imagined. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think it was, it was probably the advice would have been, like, think bigger and then back yourself more and take take even bigger risks. You're going to start taking the bigger risks that we've got the better results. Love it. Um, we will have shared the link throughout the episode and the little ad thing, um, but uh, obviously people can come and see you at Expert Empires. Uh, what are the dates for the next Expert Empires? 21st, 22nd of November. We're at the Hilton at Wembley. Um, as we already said, Tom Billiou, uh Carrie Green, Rob Moore, um, disruptive entrepreneur, is also coming along uh, to speak. So it's going to be an incredible event. Um, we'll put the link, I guess, with the episode. Yep. What we'll also do, Tim, is we'll set up a little discount code just for your podcast listeners. They're very grateful. And go and sign up, check out the funnel, see what Nick's got going on with the automation, see what sort of ads you start seeing. Enjoy the whole experience. It's all part of it. Nick, thank you so much for joining us today.